update um, about the trip. Isaiah chapter 53, and tonight we're going to look at verse 8. As we've been going verse by verse through Isaiah, last time together we looked at verse 7. And we looked at how we saw this glimpse of the portrait as Isaiah is painting for us this multifaceted view of the suffering servant. Last time together we saw verse 7 in the theme of his obedience. Where verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The theme here is the suffering servant who was silent and obedient. We now come to verse 8, which gives focus to the cross. Focus on the suffering from the cross. Verse 8 says, And he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off. From the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. It's in these words in both 7 and 8, oppressed, afflicted, stricken. These words describe for us the physical side of what Jesus, the suffering servant, went through on the cross of Christ. The unseen spiritual side was the greater glorious part of the cross, but also the greater tragedy of the cross as God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus Christ, his son. But from the human physical side, this is what Isaiah is painting for us. He gives great detail regarding this type of suffering. But here in verse 8, he comes back to the multifaceted description of both mental suffering in verses 3, 7, and 10. We see those descriptions of his mental suffering. Coming up on verse 11, we're going to see his spiritual suffering. But again, a number theme that is a continual drumbeat of this chapter is the physical suffering of Christ. And we see that used and articulated in these words, stricken, smitten, beaten, wounded, bruised, oppressed, prison. And then here in verse 8, even the words cut off, cut off. I want us to look at there in verse 8, the the description there of cut off. And I want you to turn in your Bible just briefly to Matthew chapter 28, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 27. And here we will remind ourselves of this account of the physical death of Christ on the cross. Whoever the servant is, when he comes, how his death will be and what it will look like is described in verse 8. And we see that fulfilled, of course, In Matthew chapter 27, beginning there in verse 45, the whole crucifixion account. Beginning there in verse 45, we see this example of being stricken, afflicted, and smitten. Therefore, while we sing songs, even with that title on a night like this evening as we observe the table. Verse 45 says now, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those that stood there then, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it, with sour wine, and put it on a reed, 
and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and are coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this is the Son of God. Here we see an example of this description of the physical suffering fulfilled in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and a summary explanation there of his death on the cross. Matthew one twenty one told us that, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Here the Isaiah is prophesying the gruesome, physical, unbelievable, the word described as they were astonished earlier, here in Isaiah 53, at this servant who would be crucified on the cross. That word astonished, of course, reminds us appalled, completely stunned, horrified, awestruck when they saw what would happen to this servant who was cut off from the land of the living. I just want to remind us about this death of the crucifixion. The crucifixion. If you stop and think about it, we're so familiar with, quote, the cross, crucifixion, that it's just, it's common vernacular in the life of the church and Christians. We understand that. But crucifixion is believed to have started, or death by crucifixion, was believed to have been founded by the Persians, which is modern-day Iran. From the Persians, the Phoenicians, which were the people group of the seas, those that terrified on the seas, traitors to many lands, it's believed that the Phoenicians learned of this execution and also acquired it into practice. And then in their culture, they took it with them and introduced it to the Greeks. So from the Persians to the Phoenicians to the Greeks. When the Greeks learned about this particular method of execution, Alexander the Great would introduce it to Carthage, where it was then picked up by the Romans. The Romans began to use this death by execution and perfected it. Up until this point, it is believed that it evolved, and the death included being nailed to trees, to wood in a particular structure or way. But commentators tell us that the Romans perfected crucifixion as a, me- as a me- method of death to maximize pain and suffering. The point was not killing someone. Uh, they could easily do that by throwing them into the gladiators in the Colosseum. They could do that through a number of ways, arming someone in animal fur and then feeding them to lions. The, the methods for, for execution were plenty if you study Roman culture and history. But the crucifixion was not about killing someone as much as it was about torturing someone to death. And that helps us to understand this prophecy that was given in Isaiah 53. A man who would be crucified was a man certain to experience not only death, but the maximum amount of pain. Then also, from the perspective of the Jews, crucifixion was the most disgraceful form of execution. You know the famous verse, Cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. As we look at the cross, we considered how the, before the cross even began, thinking about this word cut off, being cut off from the land of the living. 
When we look at the account of the cross, now Matthew's here, he describes it earlier in the passage, we will not look at it. But as he describes the, the preparation for the cross, Jesus, it would begin with a whipping. A whipping with what was called a cat of nine tails. A specialized whip that had a number of things uh, put into it to maximize the suffering. This type of scourging or flogging was intended to bring a victim almost to the state of death, but just short of death. Included in this whip would be shards of bone, shards of glass, metal, rubber, metal balls that would be included upon that to bruise or break bones of the individual. And once this person was whipped and completed, you've heard Paul describe being whipped multiple times with a cat of nine tails. It is believed that when you would see pictures of even more recent modern-day slavery, we can see more modern-day examples of slaves, slaves who were whipped, and to see one whose back would be just completely this mass of scar tissue, scar tissue. We can only imagine what, say, Paul's back looked like after being whipped 49 times with this type of device. The Lord Jesus Christ was whipped and beaten, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, to use Isaiah's language. He did not even look human before he began to take the cross upon his shoulders. He was so weak, losing blood, probably not able to see out of his eyes, even just being a mass of flesh and bloody scars and scabs. The muscles certainly shredded and torn that it is absolutely unbelievable to fathom. He would then take up the cross and go to the cross to be nailed to that cross of wood. I'm not trying to go into every aspect of the cross this evening, but I'm trying to remind us of what Isaiah is pointing to. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted for the people that he would die for. Matthew says in Matthew 1.21, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Friends, as we look at this sweet Lamb of God, Behold, John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God, pointing to Jesus, for he has come. He is, this is him. He has come. This is the time. It is at hand. When we look to the cross, we certainly see the Lamb of God as a sheep before his shearers, laying down his life before the Father for his people. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 describes him as the Prince of Peace. And here we see on the cross the Prince of Peace who is silent except for to say to God two things specifically, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then asking for forgiveness for those who do not even understand what they are doing. And maybe the most precious third thing that he says on the cross as well is to tell the thief on the cross to his side today, you will be with me in paradise. Friends, thank you for the cross. So we think of God, we say thank you for the cross. We look to Christ and we say thank you for the cross. So consider him as Isaiah describes him as being cut off from the land of the living for the sake of his people. Let's prepare our hearts for the breaking of bread and the observance of the table of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father again, Lord, we love to rehearse the gospel and we love to follow in obedience to your command. Lord, the breaking, the sacrifice, the atonement, not because we love gore and death, 
but we love what it means for us. Father, to receive your grace and salvation. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. Father, as your people, we want to, again, just come before you and thank you for the salvation that is ours in Christ. Thank you, O God. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us and for our sins. Thank you that Grace Church is a group of redeemed people who've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here at our church as you use us to continue to give you glory, to praise you, to, Lord, to seek to take your name in the ways that you have afforded to us, to those, to the lost, both here and to, in the abroad. And, Lord, we pray that you would continue to glorify uh, your people here. You glorify your name through your people here as we lift high the cross of Christ, as we preach the foolish message of the cross as people think that it is. Because, Lord, it is the means by which you save. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for our salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.